Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Welcome everyone to another Stem Cells at Lunch Digested. I am Varsia, one of the PhDs in the Centre of Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. In today's episode, we are joined by Professor Dagmar Eber, a group leader in ETH in Zurich. Welcome, Professor Dagmar, and thank you very much for joining. I will give uh, a bit of introduction. And uh, Professor Dagmar studied mathematics and biochemistry in Cambridge and Oxford, and she holds PhDs in both disciplines. After three years as a junior research fellow in St. John's College at Oxford, she became a lecturer in applied mathematics at the Imperial College London. After that, in 2008, she joined ETH in Zurich. After returning actually from an investment bank where she worked as an oil option trader for one year, her group uh, develops database predictive models to understand the spatial temporal dynamics of signaling networks. The computational biology group develops computational models of developmental processes, and she mainly focuses on mechanistic 4D image based in silica models of organogenesis. The group runs a wet lab to obtain image data, but they also have a lot of collaborations with either engineers and other clinicians as well to apply these techniques to disease models. So thank you very much for joining us today and giving us a great talk. I wanted to start off by asking you, because I found it very interesting that you first worked in an investment bank and then you moved back to academia. And I was wondering what made you move back actually? Well, I was just uh, curious in going into investment banking, but I already had the offer from ETH, so it was more sabbatical than a uh, return. So I was at Imperial, got the offer from ETH and got the opportunity to experience banking for a year. It was a, a very interesting year because we had the financial crisis in 2007-2008, and so it was really an, a very interesting time in, in the investment bank. And how was it transitioning between the industry and more commercialized and corporate side and then going back to academia, which is not that corporate? Well, I mean, as an oil option trader, yes, it's all about making money. Um, so my desk made a lot of money. But the everyday work was not so different from what I'm doing as a scientist because we had quantitative models. Oil options are all about quantitative models. And you have to think on your feet. So you need to really understand how these models work and then make decisions. And it's very similar in biology. You have all that conceptual frameworks and you see some data and you come up with some ideas. It's just that in the banks, this idea generation was much faster and you don't have a way of going back. But nonetheless, it's, it was really mathematical. And yes, so it was a different environment, but it wasn't too different. Maybe not the same as if you're comparing it with a with a startup or anything. So I enjoyed it. I think the main difference was there's a huge buzz when you're on the um, on the trading floor, and also it's only like from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. and uh, after that you really you have time off. While in academia you keep thinking maybe a little bit more about your problems. Also when you go home. So it has more similarities than I expected. <laughs> That's interesting. I found also very fascinating your work and you do a lot of 4D image based in silica models of organogenesis. Can you talk, you can talk about it more and maybe why it is so important? 
Well, we want to understand how nature works effectively. So uh, how does an organism develop from a single cell? What are the self-organizing principles? And then also, how could they evolve? So if you look at molecular mechanisms, they are the same across evolution or very similar. But yet species differ in embryonic size. They differ in how long it takes to develop an organism, uh, an embryo. And it's absolutely not obvious how you could reuse those mechanisms under those circumstances. And that's really something that fascinates me, understanding how nature works, how evolution could get to where it got. And these are really fundamental questions. I think if we understand them, if we solve them, they will also be useful. They will be useful in organ engineering. They might be useful in coming up with therapies. But what really motivates me is to really understand these fundamental questions. Yes, as you said, it's very fundamental and it's very important, especially in biology, to even not only doing the hot topics or anything that is emerging now, but also going back to the fundamental. And it's very important, as you said. You always collaborate with other scientists from uh, what I saw, and either that's engineers or mathematicians. How important do you think is collaboration in our field? Well, it, it's fun, you know, because you see different perspectives. We are also collaborating with clinicians, which you need in order to get patient data. And so it's, you know, you wouldn't be able to do everything that you want to do if you did not collaborate. I enjoy it enormously, both with biologists, uh, with other uh, theoreticians, but lately in particular also with clinicians, you know, because you get uh, access to a very different world. And also the clinical relevance and significance of uh, all the things that we do. What do you think is uh, some of the future directions that we have in our field, especially now with all the new uh, emerging technologies, all the single cell that is available and live cell imaging? What do you think? Well, you know, we, we are heavily reliant on state-of-the-art imaging and image processing. And it's quite amazing what has become possible in the last couple of years. And also in terms of computational resources, in terms of algorithms, you know, the field is advancing at quite some speed. And so we can now analyze processes, simulate processes, which we couldn't have simulated when I started at ETH. And I think we're just going to get better and better resolutions and you know, going to understand processes in much better ways. Like there are lots of ideas out there for really very fundamental questions that cannot be all correct. So we really need to sort them out and we will only be able to do this if we get more quantitative data and better simulations because otherwise we won't be able to evaluate those different hypotheses. And so I think you know, we're really going to be able to tackle those fundamental questions. You know, these questions, they have been out there for a hundred years. And you know, as long as people have looked at embryos, I think we're now in the age where we can tackle them. And I think that's very exciting. And I don't know where it will take people in terms of uh, clinical research, but I think we are really in the age where we can answer some really, really fundamental questions regarding the development and evolution. And I think that's exciting. Yes, it's very exciting. And especially now, as you said, we're going to have so many new insights and even more details about things that we sort of knew. And the possibilities of research are endless. What advice would you give to someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? 
that's very tough to advise others. But for me, it was that I really followed my own ideas from very early on already during my master thesis, during my PhD. And so I think that's maybe quite important. I was lucky that systems biology took off when I started and that created enormous opportunities exactly in the field that I was passionate about using mathematical modeling in biology. I suppose my advice would be don't play it too safe and be lucky. Yeah, I think these two things you need in order to um, do whatever you want to do. Yeah, especially in science, that's it's a lot of luck. <laughs> I, I think I wanted to also ask you, what do you enjoy the most about science? Well, for me, it's really that journey of finding things out. The satisfaction when suddenly things fall into place. So you, we think about problems and they look very tough for quite some while. And suddenly you see how the puzzle pieces come together and you see the, the picture. And that's always very rewarding and a lot of fun. I like being a university professor because of the training aspects, not just in terms of uh, trainees in the group, which are a lot of fun, but also in terms of teaching. It's always nice to um, teach my course in mathematical modeling because there's so many people who may be scared or not sure about mathematics and then they go through the course and they master it. That's always very nice, you know, so within a semester you're seeing such an advance in the students and that's, that's really rewarding. So I, I enjoy that a lot. That's very nice to hear, especially when uh, I'm a PhD and I, all I see is challenges. <laughs> and on that note, I wanted also to ask you, what is the biggest challenge you have come, we have to overcome so far? Or one of them, actually, because I'm, I'm sure there are plenty. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not keeping track. So I think everything is a challenge until you have mastered it. So, But I wouldn't be able to tell you like one single challenge. I don't know. Uh, I think the main thing is to, to keep going. And I have it now quite often that there have been scientific questions that I couldn't answer 10 years ago or whatever. And now I revisit them and suddenly things fall into place. So sometimes it's just being patient and stick to it. But I don't know. I, I don't think there have been any challenges for me where I felt like I, I think it's more flow. You just keep going and uh, you know, go with it. And yeah, I think the take home message is be curious and be risky, <laughs> take risks. Um, and with that, I would like to thank you very much for this podcast and for joining us and giving us a great talk. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm.